0: Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast, brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In episode 50, we talk with attendees at the CMS DITA North America conference about how they have used DITA in their career and the challenges they have overcome. This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Patterson, and I am joined today with Gretel Kinsey. Hello. We are going to do a couple highlights from the DITA North America conference. We took the time to interview some people about their experiences with DITA, trends that they've seen with DITA. So in full disclosure, you will hear some background noise because we did record these during the actual conference. We are joined with Greg Stoffenecker. Greg, could you tell us a little bit about how you have used DITA in your career?
1: Um, in my career, I've used um, DITA in two instances, once during a um, a conversion, um, both shops that I worked in, we went to a structured authoring um, methodology from, um, one from InDesign and the PDF publication um, with no content management, um, where we adopted DITA across nine countries with Fifteen writers, and um, it was painful. It was early, Um, just because the the tool or the the the, uh, DITA structure was fairly new still, and thus it was kind of hard to um, hard to sell to the to the writer as as something that was really useful to not just the the company but the career for them and the um, the other time now we we're um, we we're going to um, the company I work for was um, was acquired um, by um, a corporate that is using um, data um, and not in a terribly evolved way but they're getting there and so us integrating from a, a single single authoring Structure word um, into that we're able to affect new changes into their data uh, systems. So hopefully that will be an evolution, and that's why I'm here.
2: So speaking of evolution, I want to ask how you've seen data evolve uh, during your time in the content development industry. Uh,
1: it, it's it's evolved in the. In the um, in the tools that's used around data, you know, while the standard, you know, one two has stayed the same, everything around it has uh, the products, the vendors, the attitudes, the mindsets. We've seen the the spectrum go for from small twenty percent of the whole spectrum user to now it's kind of uh, nearly a de facto standard that if you have any kind of data framework. Uh, experience you can pretty much work in any shop it's just the tools will change some of the methodologies methodologies will change um, so I see it as a um, as a logical evolution of product information and delivery for a, a for a in industries for all industries that that actually need to get that uh, that kind of information out and And plus multimedia. That's changing everything as well.
2: What kinds of advancements do you hope to see in DITA in the future?
1: Um, Simpler um, personalization of documentation. Um, I think, you know, the modular structure of, of DITA lends itself to how do we extrapolate what we need and deliver it to the customer in a specific targeted format Um, and you know we keep our full doc set but we know like right now we're working with Disney and so we're pulling we're pulling a lot of things out of our our product set um, using data structuring to create customized deliverables for them because they don't need everything and as a customer I would not want anything more than than what I need you know don't don't treat me like a number The more we personalize, the better our uh, information and our product documentation and delivery is.
3: Well,
0: great. Thank you so much for talking with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So, we're joined with Jackie LaLiberty today. Jackie, could you tell us a little bit about how you uh, have used DITA in your career so far?
4: Sure. So, um, I'm a technical writer at Graco Inc., a company in Minneapolis, and we are in the pre-DITA stages. So right now we are authoring an Adobe FrameMaker, and we are dipping our toe in the water of the DITA migration, which is why I'm here at the conference. Um, So Graco had a previous DITA implementation that never really took off. Uh, So they attempted to use Arbortext on a shoestring budget with a single resource who sort of self-taught did as much as possible and um, it took a while to die out. So right now we're taking a step back and rethinking our tools and our needs um, so we can move in and actually find a data implementation that works. So my actual experience is very bare bones, uh, but I'm very excited to continue learning more about it as I, I really think it's, it's the best way to write tech docs.
2: How has the learning curve been going from your education into your career?
4: Sure, so uh, I graduated from the University of Minnesota with a Bachelor of Science in Technical Writing and Communication. I took a class that covered DITA, but the real emphasis in my degree program has been on um, being flexible and learning new things and having a really strong background. So I feel like it's a very good foundational basis for learning more about new tools and it's made me really interested in a bunch of different disciplines. So. I've done some graphic design work, I've done some work in accessibility, which is actually what my senior thesis was on. Um, and I think it's made me very comfortable with a bunch of different overlapping practice areas that has come in a lot of handy as we started looking at DITA, because you know web output is very different from print output. Um, so it, it's it's been pretty smooth so far, if I say
2: so myself. That's great. So what kinds of content challenges are you overcoming or maybe hoping to overcome as you kind of start to make this transition over into DITA? So I work for a manufacturing company um,
4: And manufacturing companies are a little slow. I think they're very tentative. They want that ROI. They want a very clear use case and I think we've started to see that our customers require more than PDFs and print books even if that's what we've been doing for the last 50 years so I think the content challenge for me is really expanding our network and providing things that um, users actually require. And I think service technicians in the field are not going to be pulling out a stapled booklet things of paper.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Thank you. So could you tell us a little bit about what advancements you'd like to see in it in the future?
4: I think advancements is an interesting topic, in and I think there's a bunch of trendy topics right now. Uh, everyone wants to talk about AR and VR and chatbots and AI and um, how it integrates with translation and how we can make everything really cheap. <laughs> uh, but what I would really like to see is a continued focus on um, building really great like HTML5 accessible output. I want to see output that is responsive completely on a mobile, not just using media queries, but like legit responsive. Um, And I want to see people who are using like ARIA tags to actually provide content the way that people need.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's very exciting. We are here now with James Clyburn. James, how are you?
5: I (laughs) am (laughs) tired.
0: And we've got just a few questions for you. So, James, what are some of the reasons that your company adopted DITA?
5: So, the um, what we were using before, um, clients had a very hard time finding our content. Um, using search was very difficult for them, and it wasn't customized in a way that they could easily locate exactly what they needed to see. Um, some of the titles were off, and, you know, it was, it was nice to... Um, have a way in mind to kind of start over with all of that and um, you know think of ways to help our clients find exactly what they need. Um, that was our biggest issue and I think that was the biggest thing that uh, we took to the stakeholders before we made the switch.
2: What challenges have you been overcoming by using DITA and how has that kind of helped you in your day-to-day life as a writer?
5: Well, um, going back to what i just said the filtered content is um a huge help for us right now Um, that was a big challenge and we are i mean of course we haven't figured out everything yet um but we are and it's happening and it's working and um you know it's it's helping it's making our job a lot easier um and another thing that um people maybe they don't often think about the standards that they have in place um, before, when things were unstructured, we didn't have like this this list of um, best practices that we we need to follow. We did have one, but it wasn't as robust as what did it gives us. They give us, or it gives us, you know, a set stand a set standard that we need to follow, and um, it's a lot easier to kind of go by their guidelines, kind of let them take the wheel, and or. I I say them, but it, (laughs) um, and, uh, you know, we just follow that and it makes things a lot easier.
2: And kind of on the flip side of that, what sorts of challenges have you faced with the learning curve of DITA? Because I think, you know, most of you had not had any experience with DITA or structured authoring before this change.
5: Yeah. So, um, again, with the filtered content, (laughs) uh, so our story, um, is or well, my personal story is that my part of the product that we write for is completely separate from everything else. So, filtering my stuff out was a huge challenge because uh, it could be sold on its own and standalone, and you know, not have to interact with anything else. Um, so that's been a challenge. And um, like I said before, I don't think we've figured out everything, but we know that it's possible. Um, and yeah, that's that's the biggest one for me. I think, yeah.
0: So, James, moving forward, what advice would you give to people who are just getting started in Ditto?
5: Um, So, the advice that I would give myself if I were to go back in time a couple of years and um, prepare for this is definitely have a plan, know what your problems are, and how you want to fix it. Um, You know, if you have to make a list, make a list, bullet it out, like get it all together. And um, what was helpful? for us was, you know, coming together with that initial meeting and kind of airing out our grievances and our problems and um, what we could fix. I think having that communication first before, you know, jumping into it and making the decision is a really good idea. So definitely plan ahead.
2: Thank you so much. All right, we are here with Larry Kunz and we've got a couple of questions. So the first one is what are some of the main reasons that companies you've worked with have adopted DITA?
3: Well, thanks Griddle. I recall several companies adopting DITA and um, one reason is it's an open standard. It's pretty easy to sell that way. Um, It doesn't frighten writers and it doesn't frighten their managers when you tell them that it's a a standard and it's well-established. I think the efficiency is a big reason. You have your reuse. um, You have consistency with the uh, DTDs, and you can easily enforce terminology and style type consistency. And so that's a big benefit for the end users as well as for the writer's efficiency. So um, I think it's a pretty easy sell. And really among the writing community, I think most writers are, are happy to once they get over the f- initial idea of structured authoring, which nowadays is not too hard of a sell, and maybe in the past it was, um, I think they're happy to embrace DITA.
2: That's actually a great lead into the next question, uh, which is how do you sell the idea of DITA to executives?
3: Uh, well, again, efficiency, uh, reuse, um, it's not a big investment. They don't have to buy a huge software product. Uh, DITA, of course, is a free standard. Uh, of course, you have to invest in the uh, output transforms. So that's that's a little bit of an expense. And the authoring tools cost a little, although I think they're very, very economical. And you really sell them on customer satisfaction. You sell them on high quality. Uh, one big way to sell them is uh, varying output formats. Look, you can take the same content and single source it to PDF, to HTML, to online help. And then their eyes kind of open up and say, ah, well, that certainly is much more efficient, and my writers can do much more. And um, I, I think those are key ways to sell it.
0: Okay, great. Um, so what are some challenges that you faced in transitioning to DITA, and how have you overcome some of those?
3: Well, personally, I didn't face a whole lot of challenges because I started really, really early. Like before it was called DITA, <laughs> I was working at IBM, and um, they brought in this SGML solution that ended up being DITA. Um, and it it seemed logical. We'd been using, we'd been noodling around in some structured authoring stuff before that, so it was a pretty easy adoption. I have seen writers though who um, had trouble making the leap from unstructured to structured, and um, that that throws them sometimes. And the whole idea of elements and having to arrange your elements in certain hierarchies uh, can be a challenge. I've seen a lot of confusion over concept, task, reference. Most people know what a task is, but should something be a concept or a reference? And what, when it, what happens when it's neither? Um, and then some of the real great efficiencies of Ditto, like ConRef and KeyRef, um, sometimes are a barrier for writers. And they, they struggle with that, especially KeyRef. It's just not really intuitive. And once you get it, you're like, oh, yeah, now, now I can do it. But it's, it's hard at first, and even when you get the concept, the, the doing the markup right sometimes is hard, and there's different ways to do it, as you know, and not always the right one, not always appropriate for what you're doing. So um, I, I guess the biggest one is the, the really powerful stuff like ConRef, con KeyRef, and I um, haven't even tried scoping keys yet. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of writers would be thrown by that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the output transforms. I, I think you usually have to bring in a specialist, somebody like Scriptorium, <laughs> to help with those. There's not a lot of in-house expertise um, in really making the output look suitable. Okay.
0: So you said that during your time in IBM, it, you started working with DITA before it was even called DITA, which leads into the next question. How have you seen DITA evolve during your time in industry?
3: Well, I've seen it move into the mainstream. Uh, of course, started as a uh, software do- documentation tool and was really conceived of that way and I think developed that way for a while. And then it broadened into other parts of the industry, and I really like that. Uh, I'm glad it's shown itself to be flexible and scalable that way. Um, how else has it involved? Well, of course, the features have been added over the years, although not a lot. I mean, fundamentally, DITA still dida. Um, and a lot of the stuff that's been added is kind of bell and whistly. But um, I think moving into the mainstream is the biggest thing. It's, it's, found, it's proven itself to be adaptable to so many environments. And now we have Lightweight data, which is making it even more adaptable to more situations. And those writers who maybe held back about structured authoring or their managers who held back saying, hmm, I don't know, uh, when they hear about Lightweight data. They might feel, well, that fits my situation. I'm more comfortable with that. And so it's, it's expanding the uh, market for data and the opportunities for data even more, and I like that. Okay,
2: great. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, well,
3: thank you. You're very welcome. I've enjoyed being with you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast, brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.